This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Bible, why don't you turn to James for me, and we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, we'll have a look at that. Okay, let me just read this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in a dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. It will be given given him. Sorry. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, I'm going to stop there and come back to that in a moment. It's a significant day today. I don't know whether you know that it's a significant day today, um, other than it being Sunday and we're here together. But it's a significant day because it's been 12 months, 12 months that I've been with you as your pastor, (laughs) okay? Yes. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, Yes. Well, I was going to say 12 months that you've survived having me here. But yes, okay, 12 months that I've survived. Yeah, absolutely. 12 months, it's a year since um, I started. Obviously not formally my induction. But I think as a pastor, and most pastors, I think, like this time of year, the run from autumn through to Christmas, dare I say, sorry. But that little run, that stretch of time, and many churches... Um, across the nation will be maybe starting new series or new things because, you know, the summer break is over and during the summer everybody's in different places. I mean, even still now we've got people away, aren't they, on holiday and everybody's everywhere over the summer and it's hard to find everybody and yet you come back in autumn and it's like, oh, we're gathered again together. Here we are, ready to go again. Um, And as a teacher, I guess that's a little bit in me with the whole starting of a new academic year. I can't escape that, but... um, I would do exactly the same with my new class at school when I was a teacher. I would start the year in September, the new academic year, and I would reiterate to them, you know, the the goals and the aims and what we were wanting as a school. And at the grammar school, our motto was Kiva Per, which means those who want to can. So I would inspire my students, you know, you can do it. If you want to, you can do it. They had a lot to say about that, but anyway... That's what I would do. And so I guess this morning I'm here as, as, as your 
as your pastor and we're here together as Delancey Elam Church at, at the start of what for me seems like a, like a new term. You know, you can take the teacher out of education but you can't take it out of me. Yeah, education out of the teacher. But in the same way I would stand in front of my students, uh, I want to stand today and say at the beginning of this kind of new autumn time and remind us that there are two things Two things that are central to us as a community, to us as a congregation, to us as a church. Two central structures, which is to love God and to love other people. That's what we're here for. That's what we're about. To love God passionately with everything that we have, to be devoted, to live whole lives, but also to love others and to reach out to the people around us to make those two actions the very essence of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. So that when people encounter me, they encounter you, they encounter us, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether we're here together in the building, in corporate worship, whether we're at work tomorrow, doing life, wherever we are, people will encounter us and find somebody who loves God and loves others. Those two main things. And if you read our vision document, those two things are written in there alongside the idea of it all being about ministry and mission. Ministry, devoting our lives to God in worship, in our service, in being disciples, loving God, but also mission in the idea of reaching out to other people in our witness, loving others. So with this in mind, and I was thinking about bringing us back to those central core things, I thought, what better way than to kick-start a sermon series with the book of James? Okay, You might have read James a lot of times in your life, but it's a book that's dedicated to becoming a true disciple of Christ. It's a book about living by the wisdom of Jesus. And the wisdom of Jesus is quite simply that, isn't it? What do we do? We love God with all our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind and we love other people as ourselves. That's what it's about. That's the wisdom of Christ and that's what James is encouraging the people to do. However, the reality is that in any given period of 12 months, life happens. Yeah? If we're honest, we're trying to love God with everything that we are. We're trying to love others just as Christ would want us to But we're trying to do that when life comes and hits us. Life in all its variation and all its colours and all its mess. You know, we have the privilege of of living in Guernsey. I think it's a privilege, don't you? Privilege of living on this beautiful island. And um, we can see the sea all around us. Wherever we are, wherever we're going, we can see the sea. And I love that. But we know as islanders that the sea is very unpredictable, isn't it? I'm fortunate enough to have a view in where I live across the harbour, so I see the sea every day. And sometimes, like this morning, I was looking out and the sea was dead calm, it was just a little ripple, it was lovely, it was just the sun was shining, it was peaceful, it was really lovely. Other mornings I will look out to the sea and it's like raging and the waves are coming up and it's stormy and it's really windy and I'm thankful that I'm not out there and that I'm cosy in my home. The sea's so unpredictable. 
And life can be a little bit like that, can't it? Some days things can be going really well and everything seems okay in life. It's pretty peaceful. Stuff with your family is all right. Things are going okay, ticking along nicely. And then, wham, suddenly the storm of life comes and we're in the midst of something difficult. And we have trials and we have temptations and there's pain and there's suffering and we just don't know because it's life. And when it's like that, it's harder to follow and be a follower of Christ. It's more difficult sometimes. You might know what it's like these last 12 months to be knocked about, to be like, you know, in a boat on the sea. You might have even fallen out, capsized, I don't know. But you might think back over the last 12 months and it might be a little bit stormy for you. Because life can be difficult. Life can be cruel and it's certainly tough at times. And it challenges us. When it's like that, it challenges our discipleship. It challenges our witness. Definitely challenges my witness. Because it's easy when life is peaceful and it's going all right to hold to the core values and love God with everything that I have and be nice to other people. But when it's more difficult and when I'm going through stuff and when I'm suffering and there's trials and there's temptations heading my way, actually that I find a little bit more difficult to hold on to those core values and be the witness that I want to be. But I want to encourage us with this, that actually, when we're going through the storms of life, what it also does is it helps us in some ways to grow and develop and to be more Christ-like. Because if we can hold on to the values of loving God and loving others, in amongst all the storms of life and all the difficulties, if we can hold on to those, then we become authentic in our Christian walk. There's nothing more inspiring or encouraging to see somebody, it might be someone that you're sat next to, who's going through some really tough stuff, and yet their witness for Christ is still fantastic. And actually the storms of life in amongst those things can help us to really cling to those values and find that authenticity. It's not my job to stand here and say, this is five points how to avoid the storms of life. (laughs) Because I can't do that. None of us can, can we? Because life is life and stuff is going to happen and we can't always avoid them. Maybe we can avoid some if we're going to purposely go and do some rubbish stuff. But there's a lot of stuff we just can't get out of. It's going to happen. It's going to come our way. So the best we can do is help one another to go through those things. To help one another as we suffer, as we go through trials, as we go through temptations. To help one another. Maybe we're not where we should be or maybe when life's brought discouragement or we're suffering that we can remind one another that we can do this that God is with us just as we were saying this morning about the faithfulness of God so I want to invite you to come with me to a time and we're looking at James to a time when the Jewish Christians were themselves dispersed everywhere when the Jewish Christians were displaced they had been scattered they were being persecuted. They were in the biggest storm of their life since they found Jesus Christ as their saviour. It's a really difficult time. It's the first Christian community and they've been forced to leave their home. And they're all over the place. 
They're facing despair. And the Jewish nation is, is going in, you know, is breaking down into fractions and different parties. So who's the leader that is trying to help them navigate their way through the storm? Their leader is James, the half-brother of Jesus. He's writing to them in this book, in this letter. He's writing to them. It's about 50 AD after Jesus' death. And he says he's writing to those scattered amongst the nations to try and help them navigate their way through this really, really difficult time. He urges them to be patient, to persevere during the trials and temptations, to try and live consistently with what they'd learned previously in Christ and to walk humbly with God. You see, it's the Apostle's heart, it's James's heart, that he brings comfort, that he brings reassurance to the people. And he wants to reassure them that they haven't done anything wrong. They haven't ended up in this difficult place because of something they've done that's wrong. Okay, they're not being persecuted because they've gone the wrong way. No, he's trying to say, look, live by the things that you know of Christ. And he wants to encourage them. And he wants to tell them they can still trust in God. They can still rejoice in the things of the kingdom, wherever they are, whatever place, whatever time they find themselves in. And above all, James is wanting them to get the wisdom of God. God's wisdom in this terrible time of their life. He's saying he wants them to seek after God's wisdom, despite what they're going through. He encourages them to press on, seek God, become complete and whole, moving into the likeness of Christ. Interestingly, seven times James uses the word perfect in his letter. But that word perfect kind of means to make whole, to make complete, uh, to live a life of consistency, to be authentic in the faith. That's what he's talking about. And I think authenticity as followers of Christ is choosing heavenly wisdom over earthly wisdom. Choosing God's ways over the ways of the world. Trusting God. Deciding to listen to his word and go and do it. To serve and love others. To speak in love. To care for the poor. And to live our lives devoted to God. Whatever situation we find ourselves in. And as we go through James, we will look at those different things. These days, you can't go far, can you, um, without seeing the slogan, keep calm and carry on. Yeah, it's become a bit of a thing now, hasn't it? You go into stores and you see lots of merchandise with keep calm and carry on. And um, it's changed slightly. I've got a mug at home. It says, keep calm and drink tea. I think, like, that's just the best advice ever, isn't it? Like, you know, I'm not actually even sure I need to be told that because I do it anyway. But keep calm, drink tea, excellent. But I think if James was using that slogan today, he would say to us, keep calm and carry on rejoicing. Keep calm and carry on rejoicing. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't look at the the immediate and the situation and the trials, but actually look to God through those things. Two main influences on James's letter come from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's teachings, and in Proverbs chapter 1 to 9. That was kind of influencing James's thoughts as he wrote this. The Sermon on the Mount basically says, blessed are those who, who have nothing, um, and they will have more than those who have everything. That's my translation anyway. It's something along those lines. And then you've got the Proverbs, the wisdom of Proverbs. It was influencing James. 
And the Holy Spirit, through this book, wants to speak to us this morning as well, even though it was written all that time ago to the Jewish Christians back then. We still find ourselves in a similar place, maybe not in the same way of being scattered and displaced, but we still find ourselves in the storms of life and difficulties and trials and all sorts of things. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak through James to say that whatever we're going through, no matter how tough that might be, Firstly, we need to count it all joy. Stick with me on this one. Verse 2 to 4, let's just quickly have a look at it again. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And we need to hear James correctly here, what he's saying, okay? Um, He's not saying, be joyful about suffering, okay? He's not saying, when suffering comes or trials or temptations come, we should be swinging from the chandeliers, being really, really joyful and saying, oh, brilliant, I've got some suffering in my life, okay? He's not saying that. But what he's saying, rather than being joyful about the difficulties, He's saying to us, we can be joyful through the difficulties. We can be joyful in the difficulties when we see things the way God sees things. When we see what God can do and what God does do through those difficulties and suffering. There is a difference. Because I don't know about you, but I am not joyful when something bad happens in my life. Okay, I'm not going, woohoo, brilliant. How many of us enjoy going to the dentist? Yeah. I can safely say I don't like going to the dentist, all right? It's not something I enjoy doing. I've had some pretty horrific dentistry moments throughout my life. Um, None other was the time when I um, had to have seven teeth out. And I had to have seven teeth out because... Um, in one sitting because my mouth was too small for all my teeth. No, no comment there, okay? But I was 10 years old and it was back in the day when for some reason they thought it was a good idea that they would gas you to take your teeth out. Anyone else have that? Yeah. Okay, I'm sad they don't do that anymore. I remember going to the chair, this massive chair, sitting there, the dentist looking at me and just bringing this gas mask on me and like, that was it. That was the last thing I remember. Just vividly, that picture... Um, and I remember waking up feeling really groggy, really spaced out because I'd had all this gas, feeling rotten because I had seven teeth out. And the dental nurses, bless them, they were doing their job and, and trying to help me. They were, had lots of fluffy toys and they were putting them in my face. And it was just the most infuriating thing about the whole experience was probably that. Um, And then the the whole day I had to spend on the sofa at my granny's and all I was allowed was to have some water with salt in it and it wasn't very good. I had to have that on two occasions, actually. I had to have 14 teeth in total taken out and it was just horrific. That's why I don't like the dentist. And there's no way that the pain, the suffering, the trauma during that occasion in the dentist's chair Um, gave me any cause to rejoice and be glad. It didn't. I'd rather have not gone through that if I could have done. Absolutely not. It was a horrible, horrible experience. However, what I did know 
was that that particular experience was preparing my mouth for braces, which was a whole other <laughs> torture and pain I'm not going into. But it was preparing my mouth for something else that was actually going to be for my benefit, that was actually going to be good for me. The suffering would eventually produce some joy in my life. It would help me. It would be good. James is not saying to us to pretend that when we go through things, trials, that they're fun. They're not. But he's urging us to remember what God is doing through these things. That's what he's saying to us. He says, count it all joy, or your version might say in the NIV, consider it joy. He's not saying how we should feel, but he's saying how we should think. Consider it. Consider it joy. Not feeling it, but thinking it. In the moments of my life, it's been in the moments of my life of great difficulty, the moments when it's lots of tears, the moments when it's heartbreak, the moments when it's traumatic, it has actually opened up opportunities for me to cling more to God. It has opened up opportunities for me to see God and God's nature differently. Opened up different things for me that maybe that I never knew about God before. It's made me more rounded as a Christian. It's increased my love for others when I think about other people that go through other things and difficulties and trials. And it's definitely made me more gracious, especially when I've ended up in a mess because it's my fault. It's made me more gracious as a person. Trials may give us the opportunity to grow and see God differently. And I think that's what James is trying to say to us. Think about it. It's not that the actual thing itself is great and good and lovely but as we see it as God sees it and what God can do through it it can help us but we still end up confused by it all don't we we still end up confused by the things we go through when we're in the midst of it it's not always easy to clearly think straight and think about those things it's like my good friend Charlie Brown from Peanuts says in the book of life the answers aren't in the back I wish they were (laughs) In our book of life, I wish we just had the easy answers. We just would know everything. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But James knows this. And this is why James tells us this. And in his next breath, he says, get wisdom. Get wisdom. So he says, count it all joy. He knows we're going to struggle with that. So in his next breath, in verse 5, he says, get wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Wisdom. That's what we need. What's the wisest thing someone's ever said to you? Think about it. Somebody ever said to you something really wise, and you're like, wow, that's great. Or you can think of a quote that's just like, yeah, that's a really profound quote I, I, you, know, you live by. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them, that piece of wisdom that you hold on to. And if you haven't got any, perhaps they can inspire you <laughs> with some. Go on, quickly, turn to the person next to you. What is that wise thing that someone has said to you? You can always use the Bible. That's got lots of things in it. Wisdom. James is saying to us, we desperately need heavenly wisdom. 
to be able to do what he's just said, to consider it joy in the trials and the difficulties and the storms of life. What do we need? We need to get wisdom. Not just wisdom from the world, but a heavenly wisdom. If we're going to be able to get through those things. Note this, the repetition of the word lack that James uses in verse 4 and then in verse 5. James is wanting the Jewish Christians to aspire to a wholeness, to a completeness. And he gently says to them, if any of you lacks, but actually, probably, what he's saying is this. He's doing it nicely. So if any of you lacks the wisdom, but really what he's saying is, since you all lack. It's a bit of a difference, isn't it? I think he kind of knows that he's saying, look, you know, consider it joy to go through these things um, so that you lack nothing. But since you do lack, <laughs> here you go, you need wisdom. That's what James is saying to us. It's the realisation that we as followers of Christ actually don't have it all and we do need to ask God. I think it's really interesting that James tells the Jewish Christians to ask for wisdom. If I were to ask you what the main thing is today that Christians lack, I wonder what you would have said to me. Give it some thought. What do Christians lack? I wonder whether you would have said wisdom. I don't know if I would have done. I don't know whether it would have been the top thing. I might have been able to reel off a whole load of things that we as Christians perhaps lack, um, especially me. But I'm not sure if it would have been wisdom, where, where, where that would have been on my list. But this is what James is saying. He says you need wisdom. You need God's wisdom. Above all. Why? Because God's wisdom will help us to see things clearly. God's wisdom will give us insight. God's wisdom will help us to make sense of the things that we are going through. To see it from a heavenly perspective rather from our own perspective. If we're looking at the stuff in our life from our own perspective, from the world's perspective, through the knowledge of the world, through the wisdom of the world, it's not going to help us in the same way that when we look to God and say, God, I need your wisdom, then we can see things the way they really are. We can see temptation for what it is. We can see persecution for what it is. We can see the trials and the sufferings for what they are. So James is saying, get wisdom to see more clearly. A seasoned pastor was meeting with a variety of members from his parish faith community. Gathered for the meeting were associate pastors and pastoral assistants, members of the pastoral council and the finance committee, as well as members from the many ministry groups in the parish. They were meeting to plan the year ahead, but also, and most importantly, to explore together ways of tackling the parish debt. In the midst of the meeting, an angel appeared saying to the pastor that she had come to reward him for his many years of devoted service to his community. He was asked to choose between three blessings, infinite wealth, infinite fame, or infinite wisdom. Without hesitation, the pastor asked for infinite wisdom. You got it, said the angel, and disappeared. Silence followed as all heads slowly turned toward the pastor, who by now was glowing in an aura of wisdom. Finally, the chair of the pastoral council leans in and whispers into the pastor's ear, Say something. The pastor looked at them and said, I should have taken the money. Wisdom, (laughs) wisdom gives us insight 
to see things the way that they really are and what we really need to do. What does James mean here when he talks about wisdom? It's this. It's wisdom is knowing God with a living heart knowledge. It's wisdom that gives insight into life, into what's right and wrong, into the way that we conduct ourselves, it regulates our conduct, it shapes our whole selves. It goes way beyond knowledge. But it does illuminate our intellect. Wisdom is equivalent to, I would say, practical religion, superior to knowledge in every way. Wisdom to see things clearly, godly insight. And as I said, just to be able to see things the way they are. You know when temptation comes, and sometimes if you, if you're not, I think if you haven't got godly wisdom, you're going to see it differently. We need godly wisdom to see it as it is. Or when somebody comes against us, or some sort of suffering, or whatever it is, rather than seeing it from my own perspective, I need to see it from God's perspective. So James says, count it all joy. James says, how are you going to do that? Get wisdom. How are you going to get wisdom? It's really, really simple. He says, ask for it. Just, just ask. Ask God for it. And to encourage us to ask, James reminds us what God is like. If you look in the verses, it says this. It says, actually, that God is really, really generous. God really wants to give wisdom to us. All of us. Not just the people next to you, but you. God wants to give you wisdom. And he's generous to all, to anyone who asks. And it's wonderful because he doesn't find fault with us. He doesn't say to us all, what are you doing in that situation again? Don't you know how to get out of it? You know, or messed up again. Like God's not like that with us. But God wants to be generous towards us and give to us wisdom. But we've got to ask. We must ask. How must we ask? James talks about this. He says, with confidence, with a certainty. When you look at verse 6 to 8, it could seem like James is condemning them a little bit. But he's not. He's not James is not saying, look, those of you who doubt or those of you who struggle at times or those of you who wrestle with, with stuff, you're not going to receive from God. I don't think that's what the scripture is saying there. Rather he's saying this, don't just look to God half-heartedly, kind of not expecting anything to happen. Look to God with full confidence, with full certainty that God really wants to give to you. Come and approach God with all the sincerity that God would approach us and want to give to us. I think that's what James is getting at here. Because we all wrestle, we all struggle, we all at times have doubts. That happens, that's life. But James is saying, look, when you approach God and ask for this wisdom, do it with boldness, do it with confidence. Be sincere. Don't look to God, but be looking at everything else and to everyone else as well. Go to him, and he will grant you and give you this wisdom. And if you ask for wisdom, and you might have done this in the past, and you don't feel any wiser, don't panic, okay? How many times has that happened? I've been like, God, just give me wisdom, and I don't feel any wiser at all. But I don't think that's the problem, because I think we have this promise in verse 5, that when we go to God, God will give us when we ask for wisdom. And maybe we won't even realise it, but that God actually, in his wisdom, as we trust him, will be guiding us 
and will be directing us and will be enabling us and helping us to make the right choices as we go along, even though it might not feel like that is what's happening. If we've given it to God and we've asked God for his wisdom in our life, then we can trust in that. How amazing is it that we can obtain godly wisdom just by asking God for it? I think that's amazing. We don't have to study harder. Thank the Lord. We don't have to read more. We don't have to go and get a bunch of qualifications for it. Um, James is just saying, you know, if you lack wisdom, just go and ask for it. No other, no other thing you could do that. You know, if you want to um, be a theologian, you have to study theology. If you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, whatever it is, whatever, you have to study, don't you, to learn. That's what you need. You need more knowledge to be able to do those things. But this is different. We don't have to do any of that. We can just ask God for his wisdom to be with us. Because it isn't about head knowledge. It's about the heart. This wisdom is seated within us, in the human spirit. God's spirit dwelling within us. If it's divine wisdom we require, then all we need to do is ask. The insight that's so clear, so vivid, so perfect is from God and it will help us. It comes from the spirit within us that dwells in our hearts. And I pray today, and I pray that it's all of our prayer, prayers, that we would say, Lord, would you grant me wisdom? Wisdom to see things the way that you see them. Not from my own perspective, but from yours. So then I will lack nothing but I will be more complete and I will be more whole. I will be more perfected to be in the likeness of Christ. Sometimes we're so keen to pray and ask God to remove the suffering. I don't know how many times I've been on my knees and I've asked God to remove things from my life. (laughs) Remove it, God. Take it away. I don't want this. Get it out. Rather than asking God for wisdom through it. Storms of life are going to come, trials are going to come, suffering is going to come. And I think what James is saying to us is, look, that through that, you can grow. Through that, there is an opportunity. But to do that, you do need the wisdom of God. Because on our own, we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own. I fall into all my own ways. But we need wisdom to make the right use of the things that we go through. Wisdom is the prized possession. I remember, I think, at the age of 21. I don't know why that was such a significant age, but it was. I remember saying, God, I'm going to commit to you and I'm going to ask for wisdom every day of my life. And that has been my biggest prayer. And saying, God, would you just give me your wisdom to make sure that I can see the way you see. To view it not from my own feelings and not from my own perspective, but from yours, and it helps. Sometimes I forget, (laughs) and then it's not so helpful. (laughs) But when I ask, God's wisdom comes. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to look at the book of James and to see how he spoke into the situation of these Jewish Christians that were going through difficult times, that were going through tough times. And we're going to journey through this book, through this letter, But what we proclaim, 
what our values are at the centre of who we are as a church and a congregation and as a follower of Christ must be seen. We must be authentic, perfected in Christ. This is what James is saying. We must be known as the community that love God, that are true disciples, devoted in our worship and our service to him. That whatever life throws at us, to see things the way that God sees things and not the way the world sees things. To be known as a community that not only loves God and is passionate about God, but is a community that loves other people. It's true in our witness for Christ. Loving those around us, in our family, our friendships, in our community, in our island, to the ends of the earth, whatever we're going through. That's our mission. That's what we're about. That's our value. How do we do it? Well, we're going to need God's wisdom. We're going to need him. We're going to need to draw from the spirit within us to be authentic and to be able to keep loving God and to keep loving other people. So I want us now to just spend a few moments asking God that he would give us his wisdom amongst the trials, the difficulties, the temptations of our life. I'm going to invite the worship group to come back. And as they do, and as we sing our final song of worship, let us just take a moment, a moment to be still, a moment to let what we've just heard sink into our hearts. And say... God, would you give me your wisdom right now? I need to see things through your eyes, from your perspective. And James says to us that if we ask really sincerely and truly with confidence before our God that he will give to us for he is generous and nobody is excluded we might not feel wiser but we can trust that the wisdom of God will lead and guide and direct God, I thank you that your wisdom is above and beyond any earthly wisdom, any earthly knowledge. And Lord, I thank you that you freely give it to us. And Lord, we need it. Because there's things in our life that are difficult. There's issues, there's problems, there's situations that actually in our own strength are really, really difficult. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us here that you would grant us and give to us your wisdom. 
so that we may be able to consider it all joy when we go through difficult times because we are able to see things the way you do and we are able to grab hold of the opportunity to get closer to you to know more of you to understand your nature Lord we pray for your wisdom Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 